It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, what's up, what's up, lacrosse fans? I don't think I've ever done that before. I don't know why I just did. Welcome to Lax Class. That was you. That was very unjumble like <laughs> I, I have no idea. I'm not, taking, I'm not taking it back. What's up, what's up, what's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome to Lax Class. Lacrosse Classified right here on the home of Lacrosse Classified. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Lax Class 128 about to come your way. My name is Jake Elliott. Uh, my co-host is... With me as well, his name is Brad Challoner. Thanks for hanging out with us. We got a big program to lay out uh, this week, Bradley. But let's uh, let's get a little chit chat in here first, man. I uh, I just came back from from a run, and thanks a lot because uh, you. I'm holding you responsible for this brand new injury that I have incurred today. After a three and a half hour hike up a mountain on Friday, what's going on? It's going good. I hey, if it makes you feel any better, I could barely walk the next day too. I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't exercised since. I've gone on walks well, since. I haven't ran since. Stretch, I haven't been to the gym since. Yeah, I've hit the foam roller. We yeah, got Jumbo and I did a three and a half hour hike uh, <laughs> up to the Bunsen Lake Lookout, Diaz Lookout in beautiful Diaz Vista. Bel, yeah. What was that? Belcara, Port Moody. Bel- where, where yeah, we're looking up the Indian Arm, Deep Cove, all the way out to Vancouver. It uh, pretty spectacular views. Only like you, you did way better than I did because you're literally half the size of me. So oh, we, we we did the math on the way down. I am literally almost way half of what you weigh. Yeah. So like carry so yourself. My, my limbs, my limbs weren't as badly sore, but it was the three and a half hour jaunt that we we probably could have done a little bit quicker. I think we. Um, well, no, you might have taken your time if I wasn't there, but yeah. there was a bit of a detour yeah, on the way up. We took a right turn at Albuquerque. Minute, I'm accident, like, yeah. Jumbo was. I let. I always let Jake go ahead of me because you know if I go ahead, I don't want to. I don't want to leave him too far behind. So I go at Jumbo's. I go at Jumbo's pace. Mm. Uh, we get like I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour in, and you're like, okay, you, you go ahead for a few minutes. <laughs> and so I led. Nice impersonation. Soon, soon as I started leading, took us off the trail. <clears throat> and went on a completely it, it looked navigable like it was it was a worn trail but we lost all the little orange markers you're supposed to find the minute i took over navigating we took about uh what we think at the end of it was 30 extra minutes to get around the bend to get up to this view and that might have been what pushed you over the edge well, and you told you I mean, that, was that extra 30 it, it probably was but it was like that and the fact that i didn't know it was three and a half hours i figured it was like a couple maybe two and a half so only one water bottle. I, you know, didn't have like a granola bar, a banana. No to, snacks, no I, almond. So no, by, no the, crazy. by the end of this thing, like literally every step I took was miserable, uh, whining like a, a little baby. And then uh, decided to try and go for a run today and ended up like blowing out my calf because uh, I didn't stretch or warm up properly. And I think my legs were still a little tight from that hike. So thanks a lot on that. You're welcome. You're welcome. You actually, you, you, I was quite impressed. Press, man we've we've hyped together a few times now and i do notice the difference every single time that we go out the way that you uh you can, can keep keep pace so yeah. well, I appreciate well done and then you're, you're hitting the pavement again today like i said like i haven't done that yet i, I when i go for a three and a half hour twenty thousand st- steps 600 meter hike 
I, I buy myself a few days, but you, you do not. So well, I respect that. I should have. That's the, the moral of the story here. So I'm on the shelf for a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm on the shelf for a little bit, but that's okay. We got lots of lacrosse to talk about here today on uh, this big episode. Big focus, of course. Stampede Stallion is coming up a little later in quarter four. Quick sticks in quarter three. And we got to, what do you want to do here, Brad? Uh, Quarter number one, here we are. Big focus, but we also have some news to drop here. So what do you want to do first? Let's just get to it. Drop it. Don't, don't, Don't keep me waiting any longer. Okay, so quarter number two, we have come up. Well, we didn't really come up with it, but we have selected our two content winners. So maybe we announce... Those first, we probably should have discussed this prior. Carber, Carberry Lacrosse out of Manitoba. You are one of our winners uh, of the Lawnmower 3.0, courtesy of Manscaped. Matthew P is is the man behind that Instagram account. He said, "Shout out the team, Carberry Manitoba." Uh, your boy Matthew P suggested that we do like a. Kind of like a jersey showdown, a jersey draft, if you will. And uh, I think we're going to do this a little bit later on in the summer. Our boy Audie with the Flash is, is busy with PLL stuff right now, and we don't want to overload him. He might tell us to, to kick rocks anyway. So we're going to use this idea, but I think we're going to push it to the back burner and do it in the summertime. Do like a little best of who's got the best jersey in lacrosse history. Yeah, so we'll keep that one. We'll keep that one online. You know, there's not much to us describing a. San Diego Seals vintage Lakers throwback color jersey, you know, or a Salmon Bellies original or something like that. That'll be more of an online thing. But thank you for all the submissions. And then the one that we're actually turning into a show segment and kicking off today, the seed was dropped by one Andrew Suter. It's the National Lacrosse League player. So, yeah, these guys know what they want to – they know what they want to hear and what they want to hear about. And so Suits dropped the original idea of basically just said, what makes a lacrosse hotbed a hotbed? We said, okay, that's, that's something. We took it a step further and you're going to have to, I'm going to have to task you to produce a fancy intro for this jump. Yeah, it's going to be, I'll get on it. Lacrosse the nation will be the new segment we're kicking off here. Patent pending on that name, Brad. Uh, Patent pending on the name, but lacrosse the nation, we are going to talk to representatives from, Major lacrosse hotbeds, Peterborough, Brampton, Victoria, uh, Westminster, Denver, Baltimore, (laughs) Philadelphia. Like, doesn't it's not just a Canadian thing. We're going to talk to people in from lacrosse hotbeds. It could be managers, it could be players. But what makes that town a lacrosse hotbed? And we're going to kick it off today because Andrew Suter launched the idea. And the lawnmower is coming your way soon, so get ready to, to shave the chest and, and shave everything and get yourself all lined up. But we're starting in Orangeville with Bob Cleveland, who has touched every part of Orangeville lacrosse, was instrumental in launching um, the Senior B Northman and the Junior A Northman, and has touched every aspect of lacrosse in the Ville. We're going to talk to Beeve and figure out what makes Orangeville a lacrosse factory mm, a and a hotbed and yeah. lacrosse the nation. So, yeah, lacrosse the nation. So, Carberry, Matthew P. from Manitoba. Congrats, Andrew Suits, Suter. 
from Orangeville, Ontario. Congratulations. Thanks for listening. And uh, expect a little social media shout out there when, when your lawnmower shows up in the mail as well. So Lacrosse the Nation is coming up in quarter number two, as Brad said. And listen, we're not like prioritizing or ranking or, you know, like saying one city's better than the other. We're just going to like literally bounce around North America to different hot spots, hot beds, if you will, of lacrosse and just talk to somebody that is familiar with the entire gamut of, of the existence of lacrosse in that area, if we can. So uh, really looking forward yeah, to this. A little bit, a little bit of his, little bit of a history lesson, lots of education. Like the point is just to figure out if you're from a town that is not a traditional lacrosse hotbed, maybe you're going to pick something up from Bob Cleveley that you can take back to your minor association or the, or the tight coat or the tight group that you're coaching and start to instill some of these values and that we can learn from the Orangevilles and Coquitlam's of of the world. So I'm really looking forward to, to picking a lot of brains this, this off season and, and, uh, and just hoping to have some great chats and hopefully there's going to be some lacrosse in some of these towns. I know yeah. it's getting dicier, not, it's getting dicier and dicier in Ontario and across Canada every day for that matter. Mm. Uh, but I know some of these guys haven't seen lacrosse in a while, but oh how do you, how do you keep the kids engaged? How do you keep those enrollment numbers high? when they are allowed to play again, whether it's this summer or next year. Well, there you go. Uh, remind me to give you some some drills for your tykes uh, before we get off this call as well. So, lacrosse the nation. Look forward to it in quarter number two. Bob the Beave Cleveland is, is coming right up. But here in quarter one, we like to do a little something called the Big Focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big focus. Big focus right there. Uh, big focus this week, Brad. We're kind of playing off the 35 moments, but some bigger news taking priority this week. As a friend of the program, Oliver Marty and the gang there in Albany now have themselves a new logo and a new team name. Lay it out for me, Challenger. AF, the Albany Firewolves were unleashed in their nice maroon reds, fiery reds, dark purple with a gray accent, logo encapsulating a unique mystical wolf emerging from fire with fierceness and strength. And I love the rollout by the Albany Firewolves, um, rolling out a video that was really tapping into the, the creation of the game and what it means to the capital region where you know, quite frankly, lacrosse has been played in that area for you know birthplace. hundreds, hundreds, yeah, birthplace, hundreds and hundreds of years. So, uh, I think they tapped into a little bit of that, which is nice to see. I do like the logo; it reminds me a lot of uh, Stony Brook Seawolves logo, but a little bit more fierce. Yeah. And with the with the colors too, I, I'm going to dig this on a jersey. Like it's not too. I don't think you can go maroon, full maroon jerseys because that you're going to look like the mammoth. But if they went like a navy blue with this sort of maroon, crimson, red. Trim. And that little I think eye, look actually, aqua I think in the eye too. Little, sure. little aqua in the in the eye too. I don't know if that's going to be like an accent on it. Uh, I think they're going with one full word here: firewolves. I think it's one one word, not not two. Um, but yeah, big big time ties to the indigenous community surrounding the Albany and, and Capital Region, which I love. And and you're right. Like I actually gave Oliver a text after and just said, you know, I love the logo and, and the name. I've been so impressed with the way that they 
having started to engage their fan base on social media right out of the gates and it's like a daily thing there's they're doing contests they're you know they're doing all sorts of things via social media and and really engaging their fan base right off the get-go here including getting their games on ESPN Radio 104.5 FM there in New York which uh man like this is the way you roll out a new franchise, which isn't really a new one, but when you're switching cities, essentially it is. Yeah, you know what? And they've got boots on the grounds too. They've been running clinics and, and camps already in Albany. There's been pro players that have been through that market that have been to um, schools and, and running clinics and whatnot. And, you know, when we talk to um, like Paul Gate, Paul Gate or Gary Gate, one of them Paul, lives in Paul, yeah. Albany, and that's where that's where Gate headquarters is. So there's a lot of sponsorship connections there. They're going to be having great opportunities to work with uh, work with the Albany Firewolves. So I think it looks really good. You know, I think everybody gets a little scared and nervous when the NNL rolls something like this out, but they um, they didn't miss on this one. I think these are going to look great on a jersey. It's a great logo. They're tying into the old black. Wolves, they're going to use terms like you know, pack the house yep. and protect the den, and, and those kind of sure, those kind of slogans. And they got over 4,000 people that voted for this game, so they're going to be fierce. And I'm looking forward to seeing them on an NLL four. Yeah, sometime let's soon. go, December. Yeah, banners up uh, on the building already, and and they're behind their Albany firewalls. Great to see that is this week's big focus. If you want to sponsor the big focus, get at me at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com or in my social media DMs. However, you want to get a hold of me if you're looking to hop on board here with the podcast, big focus, looking for a sponsor. Just putting that out there. Let's roll on to quarter number two. Lacrosse the Nation is coming up with Hall of Famer Bob Beave Cleveland. Keep it right here on Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Gary Gate. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, your go-to source for all things NLL and boxing class. Lacrosse Classified segment two, the first installment of Lacrosse the Nation. And this is the brainchild of one Andrew Suter, uh, formerly or currently of the New York Riptide. Hopefully see him back on the floor sometime soon. His hometown is Orangeville, Ontario. Obviously wears it proudly on, on his chest and and the style of lacrosse that Andrew Suter plays and the brand that he brings. Um, he wanted to know what makes a lacrosse hotbed a hotbed. So we're kicking off this segment to talk to uh, people across Canada, across North America, lacrosse the nation, if you will. Patent pending and, there, patent pending. And dig down. We're going to talk to Orangeville. We're going to talk to Victoria, Peterborough, Brampton, Langley, Ladner. We're going to we're going to Ladner. Out what we're getting Ladner in there. Okay. We might have to get Ladner in there. Okay. You know, we're, we're we're up and coming. We've got a few pros, so I think that that puts us in contention. Okay. But because Andrew Suter kicked it off, and because it it is responsible for maybe more pro, pros in the National Lacrosse League than anywhere else. We're going to start in Orangeville, Ontario, and we're going to start with a Canadian lacrosse Hall of Famer, an Ontario lacrosse Hall of Famer, a guy very instrumental in helping build and resurrect uh, the Orangeville Northman at the junior A level, at the senior level, at the junior B level. His name is Bob Beave Cleveley, and he joins us on Lacrosse Classified. Beave, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. So you've worn many hats in Orangeville over the years, currently just uh, enjoying an, an off season, an extended off season. But what, what is your, your current title with orange, with the Orangeville association? If there is one right now, I would, what are you involved in? Nothing. I stepped down after the middle cup um, and just sort of relax and do some other things on, on a couple of uh, hall of fame boards. So 
yeah, I've kind of stepped down and just uh, no action. I'm just missing it as a fan right now. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. Be full disclosure here. I am wearing a pair of Coquitlam Adnac shorts as we conduct this interview. Just I, I want to, I want to put that out there. I want to make that clear. Uh, I, I felt better about doing that while I was talking to a Northman. Just so you know. That's good. That's good. I got my Northman sweater. Too. Okay, good. Uh, well, let's uh, let's flash back to 1860, Beef. Uh, the Duff, the Dufferins. I know you were around for for those days. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Orangeville and Lacrosse. I can't believe this when I when I saw the history of the Northmen dating back to the 1860s. I don't know if we need to go back that far. I think when it really kind of began again, if you will, is 1978. Take me back uh, to the late 70s and the building blocks of, of the Northman Dark Empire. Yeah, well, it, you know, really a lot of it's attributed to uh, Terry Sanderson and uh, another old alumni, Irwin Scott. They decided to, uh, you know, put a lacrosse team, a senior lacrosse team together in, in Orangeville, which was at the time was, uh, you know, there was not a lot of players around. So it was kind of interesting that they put a team together, but it was a lot of ex-guys that played junior lacrosse in other areas, uh, not you know, necessarily Orangeville. They had played Junior C at the time, or in Bolton, and they put a, a pretty decent team together with some, you know, some old players, people that you might know, people like Butch Keegan. I don't know if you know that name. He's a Hall of Famer uh, from the past, and then and the Sanderson brothers, Terry, Lindsay, uh, Philip, and Shane, uh, were all on that beginning team. Um, players like Jim Richardson, who was an ex-referee, you might know that name. I'm not sure. He did a number of Man Cups, Man Cups. So it was a it was a group of. Uh, Guys from town, we, we picked up a lot of people from Brampton, like myself and, and others, people from Mississauga. And uh, I, I didn't play on that initial team. I didn't come until 1980, but uh, that's really how it started. And uh, in their first year of existence, they actually went to the President's Cup that year. Um, well, and then that, they go on to win three of the next four uh, after that, Bob. Um, did that really ignite the community? Like, does it sort of capture the imagine of, of orange, what, what do you guys call it, orange Villonians, um, and really start wanting to get behind lacrosse and supporting this team? Yeah, I think it was. And then a lot, like almost all those players gave back. Like they were, they were all involved in some capacity. Uh, you know, other names you might know is somebody like Chet Couture, uh, Logan Couture's father, who was a referee in the NLL, but also a, yeah. uh, a last player for us from Owen Sound. So there's a number of people that were involved. Uh, but I think that was the impetus of what was that started it, because uh, they all gave back. They all got involved with the minor lacrosse. Uh, and it was a little bit, the, the minor lacrosse at the time was kind of fledging at, the, at that point. But they kind of got it back. And with the excitement of winning, you know, national championship uh, and, uh you know, people going to the arena really became uh, a key thing. And then a junior organization was evolved after that. Well, so, and, and really, Bob, like that's kind of what sets the Northmen apart from a lot of other organizations is that the players today still continue to give back like no other club that I've ever really seen. And that's what makes your alumni so strong. That's what makes your junior A program and junior B and all the rest of it is that these players that graduate through the Northman organization continue to come back and give back to the club. Why do, why do you think there is such a strong pull or connection? Is it because of guys like Terry and Lindsay that set that example and others just f- fell in line? Yeah, I think it, I think it was because when we were all involved with the Junior A Club, that was one of the speeches at the end of the year that we've always talked about. You know, Terry's a head coach, and Lindsay there's assistant coach, and um, myself as the GM. That was the that was the closing message to everybody. It's not 
what you can take from the sport, right? It's what you can give back. And, and so there was a real, you know, and, you know, this was before the alumni, but that was really the incentive uh, every year. So, and they give back and they, and they still do, as you said, they, they're still doing it. And they, and they all have kids now and all those kids are playing. And now that group of kids are, they're, they're back involved. And that's, and the people, the volunteers have been incredible over the years because in whatever capacity that was, either playing on a team or playing on a team, they always got involved and gave back. And that's, I, I think that's the best thing. And it, can it you, a small town advantage too. A small town advantage yeah. really. Can, can you quantify that giving back? Like it's, it's one thing for an ex NLL player, a current NLL player to, you know, to coach a minor team, but what, what is the difference between an ex player being behind the bench or, or, or a dad or a volunteer or something like, what are they doing differently? Obviously their knowledge of the game, but you know, what, what's permeating through them to, to the kids? Well, I, I mean, I think the biggest part is that, uh, I guess the excitement of playing for the North. I mean, that was, you know, we used to do events where we go to schools and get kids that were not playing lacrosse to get out to play lacrosse. And, um, yeah, and 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 all aspects too. Like they were, they were either refereeing or they were coaching or they're executive members, and that's that continues till today. So uh, I don't know the secret other than it's the people and them wanting to be involved, and um, and they still do, and they all come back to all the alumni still come back to our our golf trip summertime and our hockey trip in the wintertime, and yeah. uh, they're on a constant basis of. You know, trying to generate money, and it's difficult to generate money in a small town with sponsors, things like that. And that's where that's that's the other part of the sponsorship side of it. Who were two Northman uh, sponsors just came back and you know gave up their money to you know to help clubs along the way. Yeah. Speaking with Bob Beave Cleveley, Canadian Lacrosse Hall of Famer, Ontario Lacrosse Hall of Famer, got a handful of Minto Cup rings as well. Um, tell me about. The logo and the name Northman, Bob. Uh, who came up with this? The design, like, I, for my money, I think it's it's like the best logo in in lacrosse. Like the colors, the logo, the horn heads, all of it. Like, where who who came up with this beauty? Well, it it, it was really Terry Sanderson and and uh, and Erwin Scott. They had a competition where they had put out for the name first of all, um, but. It was Terry that was the colors guy because he was a huge um, Raiders. Well, yes, yes, he was a huge, huge. Well, John, fan. I know Shooter is is a massive Raiders fan, so I can only yeah. assume that's the reason why. Terry, that's was that was the colors. That there had to be those colors, and then the the Northman head uh, came from that. Now, what's interesting at first, it was always Orangeville Northman or Dufferin Northman, and it was the year that we played in junior against um, the Salmon Bellies. And I, to me, I love the center goal. And it, right it's up a there. Big, yeah. Yeah. There's no name. Right? And I thought to myself, you know, and Terry, I said, you want to have something that's a brand that when they, when they come out, you know, as soon as you see it, you know, that's a Northman or the same with the center goal, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I think day of the ad, same type of thing. It's like, you don't need a name. You just look at it and you go, wow. And you see the colors. And that's when we, we did it, not just from the, the senior team, but all the way through, all the minors, they all adapted that. That's just how it stayed. This is always a question that comes up to me, and and I really don't know the answer to it, Bob, but 
you look at the list, and it's a long one, of all the players that have graduated out of the Junior A program and gone on to Senior A success and pro careers that have been spectacular. And you guys feel what they, they call the bunny barn there. Maybe you can tell us uh, about that in a little bit here, Bob. But why no senior? I know ter- they started the Senior B team. They won a couple of presidents. But no, like, surely Orangeville could support a Senior A team the way they packed the fans in there for the junior and surely there's good enough talent to provide for a senior A team. Why no senior A lacrosse in Orangeville? Well, that's that's a question that we're asked many, many times. And, uh, I, you know, I think it was because to try and put a junior A club, a junior B club, uh, and now a junior C club, uh, and to try and to, you know, put, it, it, was, it was resources more than anything else. Because it would be the same people running it, which was always going to be a challenge. And you're fighting for the same sponsors, and that was probably bottom line the toughest the toughest thing because we we know we we put some really good teams on the floor. Um, they've all gone off and played for different places around the country. Is that difficult and, uh, to see, Bob? Like your homegrown talent just kind of disperse after they get out of junior and 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 go elsewhere. Like, does that bother you at all? Oh, it does. It does. It, it, it's it's one of those things where it's a challenge. It's like it's challenging for sure that uh, we could never put a, a senior team on the floor. And, you know, the major clubs, it, it's an expensive, expensive proposition if you want to compete. Uh, but then, we, you know, we always felt that a lot of those players from the hometown would come back and play for them. But uh, it was just one of those things, didn't have enough volunteers to do it, and just, it was difficult. And you're surrounded by, you know, you're surrounded by Brampton and, and, uh, and KW at the time when they had a major club. And so... Yeah, it's unfortunate for sure. It would have been nice to have some man cups hanging, the flags hanging in the rafters and in the bunny barn also. This might be a little off off track a little bit and premature, but Owen Sound is nearby, right? So would that be the Orangeville player pool going to be maybe in the future protected by Owen Sound? Yeah, and and see, I I think they still have a regulation where you you have to be the closest junior club. So there was a couple of years we were were affiliated with Oakville because we do have a, a strong contingent there. Uh, of Orangeville ex-junior players. Um, but, yeah, it would p- probably be a likely um, place for us to, you know, to affiliate with. Um, and all the players that play for Orangeville would like to play together. That, that's another thing, too. Well, 100%. Um, geograph- geographically speaking, Bob, I know um, Orangeville, like, po- population under 30,000, a couple hours away from, from downtown Toronto. Do guys live there after college the guys come back and stay in the community or do you lose guys moving to to different cities to go per, pursue their or their pro careers or, or their college degrees like how many guys are still in town after they sort of graduate high school and college i would say that i say a majority are still here other than ones that might be in you know colorado like i know dylan ward he he's works down there and uh uh, but Suter's still in town. Just bought a place, Suits, right? He just uh, just bought a home there in, in Orangeville, I think. Yeah. yeah. So so if you, you walk into a bar in Orangeville on a Friday night. Well, there's only one, you, you, Brad. So, I mean, it's you can walk, if you walk into, into the, the bar, bar in Orangeville on a Friday night, <laughs> it's uh, Orangeville alumni will be pretty prominent then? Uh, yeah. Not right now, but yes. <laughs> in the best of times, yeah. You know Looney will be there regardless, right? Like, that's a given. Yeah, he'd be there for sure. But they, you know, they just—they'd always come to the junior A games and then, you know, go for a pint afterwards, and you know, always end up the same place. And uh, they always stand in the same. All the alumni stand behind the net, 
with uh, with the whole uh, the uh, home goaltender and cheer them on and uh, and try to rattle the the opposition sometimes too. Well, I I still have nightmares <laughs> of of 1993, Bob. So I I know all about it. Uh, let's let's talk about the Bunny Barn, uh, aka Tony Rose Arena. And and for those don't know, uh, Nick Rose, the son of the late great Tony Rose, who the arena is named after, and then conveniently turned into the Bunny Barn. Now, I, I think most people probably know what the Bunny Barn is all about, Bob, but you could tell people uh, the decision to, to name the arena after Tony Rose and, and maybe how it became the Bunny Barn. There's there's a lot of quirks. Like, I know when I, when I came back there in 93, at one point the visitor's bench, like one of the gates was literally cut in the middle of the bench, not on the home bench, just the visitor's bench. So one line of players had to stand on the wrong side of the door to try and get out on the floor. And then at the back of the crease there, you know, it kind of comes back in a triangle at the back of the net. Well, they used to cut this thing off, Brad. So you could literally stand at the back of the crease and you could dunk the ball without even having to jump. Just a couple of the, the home advantages at the bunny bar. Oh, there, there always seemed to be a, a fresh coat of paint in the visitor's locker room. And, and maybe the radiator knob was broken off on high by accident before the game started. Things like this uh, lower the legend of the bunny barn. Tell me all about it, Bob. Well, I'm taking the fifth on that one. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I think that was, you know, that might have been your interpretation and many other opposed. <laughs> many, many other. But, uh, you know, we've never experienced that in, in the home dress room. No, at all. no, of course not. No. No, I don't know about those things. I, I, I I, I, I do remember the first team that came to play from the West. They were measuring the benches and everything else. <laughs> There's a disadvantage here. And, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and you know, we got to share the bench because they get, they get to pick in the middle cup, you get to pick your own bench when you're the home team. So there you go. I, they took a disadvantage. Now, the Bunny Barn thing, I don't know how that evolved. I really don't. I know what it's about. We used to have a lot of fans come to our games on the Friday nights. And um, some of them were female, right? Oh, you know, and you know they dressed up for the game, and and it was <laughs> it was not one. And I really do not know who, you know, who named it that. And and I know as an organization, we're really careful not to say that because it's right. the times, is, you know, it's not appropriate, right? But I don't know. And now, as as far as the name of the arena, um, you know, Tony was a longtime uh, player with the Senior Northland. Uh, uh, Nick's father, and unfortunately, he was killed in a car accident. He was killed in a car accident, oh, I think it was January 11, 1990, or something like that. And um, he was also the manager of the arena at that time. And he was well thought of, a uh, great person. You know, he very, you know, uh, Nick's just like him. Yeah, yeah, he works at the track now, like doing the exact same thing that his dad oh, and he would have been about, he would have been about two years old. Yeah. Right? And, and him and my, my son and were very close, so. Uh, and in his passing, in, in recognition, the, you know, they named the arena after uh, after Tony. And um, yeah, that's you know, miss him as a as a as a friend and a teammate. But uh, yeah, he was pretty inspirational, so it was appropriate that he was named that. And, and then we've got them to change the name of the street to um, Northman Northman Way nice. uh, Avenue, and and then we uh, we changed the the arena to six which represented his number. So it's six Northland way now. And that was just a, you know, a tribute to, uh, awesome. to Tony. And- yeah. 
What's the what's the cohesion like in from the minor system all the way through through junior A? Is the the same management group throughout? Like, does your junior A team work closely with the minors? So you're making sure that you bring in the right program. The right the goal is to graduate kids through that junior A program one day. I just that question because that's one of the things that I think, and I I would I like to think that others would agree that that's probably our our one of our biggest assets. Really? Is, uh, yeah. Yeah really truly is because you hear stories of a junior a and a junior B team conflicting with each other and conflicting players. And, um, I don't think we really had to instill some of that, but you, know, you look at some of the coaches that we had or had in the past, you know, they were always, if you were a, a junior B coach and I'll give a good example of somebody like Bruce Cott, who's an excellent coach now coaches our junior A's, you know, when he was there, his job was to get those players at a level to play that was always their their goal and uh some kids when they come right out of minor they're not ready to play at a junior a level but junior b they certainly are and they develop because they're playing against you know men sometimes five years older than them and that was really the development process and we stuck by that now that we have a junior c team because uh you know we still have very big numbers for a small town um but the relationship that there is between the junior b club the junior C club uh, and our minor system is uh, is very very good, and always thinking about the bigger picture. So, our former president, our former president of the minor system, uh, is now the president of the junior A lacrosse. So, it's it just and that person, just for an example, was uh, she's um, she's an emergency service person. Uh, she our trainer uh, on our junior A team in 1996, but now she's. So you, you know what I mean? Unreal, unreal. Yeah, it all comes back around. Uh, it's spe- yeah, it's spectacular, Bob. Uh, I, like- relationship is awesome, and you know, I talked to some of our junior A counterparts where they they don't have a very good relationship with their junior club, uh, and um, you know, they always ask, "How do you do it?" And just you know, I think it's a lot of uh, you know conversations and helping them out and helping each other. It's, yeah, I really think the the alumni association is the envy of the entire lacrosse community. And and I listen, you guys set attendance records for Junior A in, in a tiny little town like Orangeville. It's just incredible. And and we really wanted to start in the Ville not only because Suits kind of came up with this idea, but I really believe the Northmen are are kind of the model franchise to to follow when when you want to have success and it and it shows up in the record books. Uh, and you're a big part of that, Bob. But I really appreciate you kind of kicking off lacrosse the nation for us here you got one more brad i got i got one more i want to ask all our all our guests here on lacrosse the nation just a fun one to end things off with if you're driving through downtown orangeville or even in the outskirts of orangeville on a hot july day in the summertime what's the likelihood you're seeing a kid walking down the street or playing lacrosse well it's a pretty good one yeah good good <laughs> and that's what makes a hotbed a hotbed you know if you can see those random acts of, of lacrosse happening uh, about town then you know you're you know you're in a good spot so i'm glad to hear that bob we appreciate you uh kicking this off with us starting uh starting right in, in the hotbed there's, there's about 20 players in the national lacrosse league that are orangeville junior a northman graduates or or from the orangeville uh from the Orangeville area. So kudos to you and your organization for, for rolling those guys out. And uh, we hope to see some more here in the future. Great. Thanks guys. Say hi to Deej. Be safe back there. Go Canucks. Okay. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks Bob. We'll talk soon.
There you go, Brad. You Orangeville, go. Northman. And uh, i got to get this in. Lacrosse the Nation, Brad, brought to you by our good friends at Stampede Tack in Western, where they carry Canada's largest selection of Wrangler jeans for men, ladies, and kids. I actually threw on a, a pair of shorts the other day. I did not even realize, but they were Wrangler shorts. Nice little dress uh, dress shorts. So I, you can probably get those out at Stampede Tack in Western wear as well. But they got everything from the classic cowboy cut, the denim George Strait, as well. I'm just as trying the... to picture you in Wrangler dress shorts. Hey, and I, for some I, reason, I, my mind is. I'll take a I don't picture think I, I've seen you in shorts, but it's usually Adnac shorts or yeah. Iroquois National shorts. Like you've got the lacrosse short. Yeah, game I on point, but uh, the, the dress dress shorts is a little awkward no, on they're you. Nice. I think. No, 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 they're nice uh, gray. Come on, when I show up to WA games in the broadcast booth, I'm usually wearing a nice pair of dress shorts. Don't don't kid yourself. Uh, stretch stretch retro fit jeans, all the selection of sizes to fit virtually anyone, even uh, little guys like you, Brad. For ladies, we offer all styles and include the May Willow, the Q Baby, available in leg lengths up to 36 inch inseam you're not going to find that anywhere else except at stampede tack in western wear out there in cloverdale since 1966 or you can shop online where it's still shopping local at stampede.ca uh lacrosse the nation number one in the books brad what'd you think that was good i think i yeah that was really good and we started in the right spot and i think the Orangeville players in Orangeville, they're just, they're rock stars, right? Oh, the the minor kids want to be on the junior A team. The junior A players want to be professionals like Brody Merrill and Andrew Suter and the Nobles. And, and yeah, just like, you know, to, to be a goaltender as a kid growing up to be a goaltender mm-hmm. and think, you know, what, what's my ceiling here? Oh, look, three, four, five guys from my hometown are national lacrosse league goaltenders. That yeah. could be me next. Like it makes the dream stay really close to home i think in towns like well then Orange you get guys we're like, gonna hear we're gonna hear a lot of that you get rose and and hartley and and kirk like these guys coming back to to teach the young as well like the pros coming so you know like a bob kind of skated around a little bit about having a senior team in orangeville part of me thinks that they don't want it like they don't they they, they like the pinnacle to be junior a and and that's it and like they don't need to go any higher than that and man, l- let me tell you, like, I know you've never been there, Brad, but Tony Rose Arena on a junior A Orangeville Northman night, like if they're playing like Mimico or Six Nations or something on a, on a Saturday night, like that place is rocking. And it like it's an intimidating place to go play a game. It's unbelievable in there. And for the size of that town to get the kind of support they do is just incredible. 30,000, just under 30,000. So yeah. it, it is remarkable. There is, there is a hometown pride there. Um, and then they've got the rings. They've got the rings to back it up at, at absolutely every level. Yeah, what do they got here? 93, 95, 96. Uh, there's more. There's like <laughs> defending champions right now. They were, they yeah. won in 2019 is still hold, hold the crown as far as junior eight titles go. Absolutely. So just a, an incredible franchise, top to bottom. And Bob Beef Cleveley, really one of the pioneers and OGs of that Northman organization. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm glad we give, had that Give chat. back, give back, stay close to home, strong alumni association, and people, people to look up to. Those are some of the lessons to take away from Orangeville. Horns up! That is uh, quarter number two, lacrosse the nation. We're going to quarter number three here on EP 128. Quick sticks coming up next, lacrosse flash podcast network. 
Hey, this is Jason Noble from the Toronto Rock. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lax Class. Into the third quarter we go. Second half. Third quarter. Uh, uh, quick sticks come up in quarter number three, but not before I tell you about our friends at the Vancouver Warriors. Uh, a little downtime right now for the Warriors, but coming up, you can stay up to date. Follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well, or at VancouverWarriors.com. In the month of April, that's where we're at right now. Warriors will be featuring virtual calls with favorite players and coaches so you can ask them questions on how they get ready for a game or how they practice when they aren't playing their national sport uh, or what they're up to when they're not playing their national sport. Keep checking back on the Vancouver Warriors social channels for up-to-date news, information, features, all of it. Or you can listen to the Warriors' favorite podcast. That's Lacrosse Classified. Quick sticks, quarter three, Brad. Uh, we got several here this week, I would say. Let's start with this. This news just dropping yesterday, in fact, and, and this is a big get. The more and more I watch from afar of the Tawaratan Lacrosse League, Brad, this league continues to catch my attention. Now signing to the circle of excellence, owner, general manager of the Halifax Thunderbirds, Kurt Styers, who I have immense respect for. Adding to, to the circle with the likes of Teddy Nolan, Buffalo Sabres uh, fame as well. Real indigenous flavor to this league, but putting people in place that are respected, knowledgeable. Like, I, I like the direction that I see this league going. Yeah, I, and I hadn't heard that news, so that's that's pretty cool. And that's a nice, I think that's a this pat on the back that they needed, and they're, they're starting a little groundswell over there, but like, you know, with the bad press of, of Cody Jameson speaking out about saving the saving the arrows yeah. and not wanting the arrows to leave to join that league and then have, you know, Uncle Kurt now supporting that league that, that Cody Jameson and some were very vocal against. Uh, it's a pat of it's a pat on the back and a sign of legitimacy for me. So it's still going to be how you, where are you going to draw your players from and who's going to sign up to play for this league? That's going to be the storyline to watch, whether it's this summer or next, but they, they want to put the right pieces in there to build this thing from the ground up and, and they're making it happen right now. So I know I did a lot of people, myself included sort of scoffed at it at the start. Okay, here comes another league, but there's some great foundational pieces being put in place here and it's making it very intriguing right now. Circle of excellence. We're still going to get Jake Sturron, Jake Henhock, who has agreed to come on once uh, things simmer down a little bit. And and I think some more news comes out. I think he wants to kind of wait and build it up a little bit, but we will have Jake Henhock on to discuss it all in the coming weeks here. Maybe he's our, our lacrosse, the nation for six nations, Brad, because you know, we're going in into the six to, to talk to somebody. Oh, we got to go deep. Deep. We're going so, deep. Into all right, thing. let's go uh, quick sticks here. South Africa joining World Lacrosse. Shout out to Chris Bushy, friend of the program. Not a big deal. Uh, getting South Africa accepted into World Lacrosse. This is fantastic news and well done to the Bush. Third African nation following Ghana and Uganda to, to get status for World Lacrosse too. So, Great to see. I know they've had a lot of boots on the ground there. Chris Bushy was born in South Africa and, of course, plays in the National Lacrosse League, and that's a nice pat on the back to that country. Uh, and the more nations to get involved with this, the more this, this sport grows across the world. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it as well. We go from the Bush to the Nooch. This was NLL's 35 moments this week, Brad, and 
the year is his second season in Philadelphia going back to what 2008 on April the 12th when he broke the record of one Gary Gate. It sounded like this. This shot goes wide, but they corral the loose ball, and that's a goal by Ethan Iannucci. His 61st of the season, and that ties Gary Gate for the all-time single-season goal-scoring record at 61. In the slot, Ethan Iannucci, he's got a chance, and AI3 has done it. Ethan Iannucci has just made National Lacrosse League history. The new mark for most goals in a single season has been set. So the Nooch averages, what, 4.43 goals per game in his second year in the league, breaks Gary Gates' record with 62 for the Philly Wings. As they flash back to Minnesota, the professor in there as well interviewing Nooch after that uh, performance. But, man, like there was a record that you thought was never going to be touched, and here comes Ethan Iannucci out of nowhere and just blows Gary Gate out of the water. Really out of nowhere, too. I think he scored just around 30 in his rookie season and then just went nuts. And I remember following along that year, like checking. We, we didn't have access to a ton of broadcasts that season back in 2008. But I remember like going to going to NLL.com, like refreshing every night that he had a game and watching live box scores to see yeah. what Nooch was doing that night. It was such a special, possessed year for him. And... Yeah, like we talked about this a couple weeks ago because when we first saw the NLL rolling these out, this is one of the moments that I clearly remember made me fall in love with the NLL was was this story for Iannucci, who was like the best goal scorer in lacrosse for a couple years there. And he said the strategy was just put the ball in Nucci's hand and, and shoot that year. <laughs> like 20 plus like, shots a night, yeah. Exactly. 253 shots on goal, uh, 71 goals. That That's a 281 shot percentage. So, you know, like he was hitting the net and he was scoring. Like that's pretty remarkable for the number of shots that he had to have a 281 yeah. and 71 goals is, uh, is absolutely insane. Five game winners, 17 power play goals, five shorthanded goals. Like did he ever come off the floor? No, he, he just, really didn't uh, to be quite frank with you. And, and still to this day, Brad, like, I've, I've seen and witnessed and called a lot of lacrosse goals over the last 25 years or whatever it is. I think Nooch, not even I think, I know this is the best goal that I've ever seen somebody score. And if you haven't seen it, I'll, I'll try and get this up on my social media as well. But it was in Langley. As Nooch comes off the bench, I think Teddy Jenner was calling this game with me. This thing made Sports Illustrated. This thing made ESPN it was all over the place when it went down. But Nuge comes off the bench and accepts a pass one-handed, kind of reaching behind him from Brett Hickey. And all in one motion, it was shorthanded as well, Goes, keeps just one hand on the stick, brings it in front of his body, and tucks it into the, like, you could not place the ball far in a small, high. far side far high, side past high. Zach Boychuk. And keeps his toes out of the crease as well. But the whole, the catch, the one-handed, the placement, the footwork, this goal, I, it's the best I've ever seen in box lacrosse. And and I'll and I'll try and get that up on on Twitter or something. Uh, I'll I'll never ever forget that goal from the. Nation. Yeah, I can. I know that goal so vividly because I've seen the clips so many times. Another one stands out to me for for Nuge, and we're just talking how special Nuge was for that chunk of time there. And it's unfortunate for people that 
didn't get to see a lot of Ethan Iannucci at, at his peak, yeah. how special he was. This was even a few years later, but 2011 Man Cup Langley Event Center, um, you know, Langley got Langley got beat up in that series by by Brampton, who was, you know, insane at the time. But like Nuch would put that team absolutely on his back. And there's one clip that I saw a while ago that I remembered. He's getting like triple team, quadruple team on the crease. He must have been short hangs. I don't know where everybody else was on the floor. Yeah, I think that was the Adnax that game. Yeah, he bust through. Like, no, that was Brampton. He oh, was in the it? Man Cup. Okay. And he's got three or four guys literally <laughs> on his back. And it's like, once, Carl, yeah. it's like, no, he's on the crease getting mauled by the Brampton defense. And I don't know what's up my head, but it was like Carnegie's and Cods and everyone's all over him. And he swims out of this triple, quadruple and berries miraculously on the on the crease and then like has this nice strut off the floor looking at the bench and his teammates went nuts but for people that didn't see him play in 2008 or the couple years after like he was yeah, just phenomenal. look up look up Iannucci two ends two c's on in his, yeah in his prime one of the best goal scorers the game has ever seen it's unfortunate it was in short bursts and, and wasn't it wasn't a decades long thing for Nuge, but he was special. He was a treat to watch. And then Dane Smith goes up and puts up 72 in an 18 game season. Was it 76, uh, I think. No, 72, 72. for Dane Smith okay. in 2016, I believe. Uh, speaking of being the greatest goal scorer, one of the greatest goal scorers, uh, Div 1 NC2A has a new greatest goal scorer. His name is Mac O'Keefe. As he broke uh, Justin Gutterding's record of 212 goals scored, Penn State, uh, San Diego Seals draft pick here. When you set a record like that, that's <laughs> that's pretty incredible stuff there for Mac O'Keefe. 213 goals for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, unreal. And how about San Diego? Three of the top five goal scorers in NCAA history. San Diego Seals property and and you now in, in Gutterding and um and Connor Fields and and Mac O'Keefe yeah. who are three of the top five I believe which is which is nuts for the Seals roster. They got and Trey Leclerc now too. They, yeah, yeah, they got Trey Leclerc now too to start on that righty <laughs> side. I know it's gluttons, gluttons in San Diego. Yes, indeed. Uh, okay, moving along here, goal line extended. I want to get this out. Uh, Austin Owens and the gang there at Lacrosse Flash doing a little PLL work. Uh, goal line extended. You can check this out every week. I think it comes out on Thursdays. Fantastic program, kind of surrounding the PLL. And speaking of the PLL, Brad, and, uh, they announced their cities for their tour for the upcoming season. And predictably, that's the word I'm looking for, predictably so, no Canadian stops here with uh, border issues and, and borders still closed here. I think San Jose is, is the closest we will get to the PLL here, Brad. But uh, stay tuned for all things PLL via the lacrosse flash. What even cooler, the PLL in conjunction with the schedule announcement this week also announced is that they're going to be doing – land acknowledgements before every game in the territories that they play, which I think is just the most brilliant idea. And they quoted Lyle Thompson um, in the article, Lyle Thompson saying, we're going to do our best to honor the land by playing and watching this beautiful game of lacrosse with the right mindset. The land will hold this energy and the land will tell our story. So whatever territory they're in, whether it's Baltimore or Denver or San Jose, they're going to be doing a traditional land acknowledgement um, before every game to talk about who came to they're, they're renting the land essentially like yeah. you know we don't we don't own land we just sort of visit here and you got to honor the people that that were here before us so i think it's brilliant the pll is doing Love i know it. you and i talked a lot about wanting to get the that and the iroquois anthem sung before yep. the lacrosse game and there's reasons why 
you know, they're not super passionate about that anthem. We talked about the flag being in the barn too, but this is the PLL again, taking things in the, in the right direction and checking off all the boxes. 100%. A couple more here. Your boy out there in, in Ladner, Logan Shuss's roommate, Brad Johnner, uh, Eli McLaughlin. I don't know if you've caught wind of this, but talk about being impressed uh, every Sunday. Slow cooker Sundays with Liger. He, he like puts out the Instagram story, gives you the recipe, the cook time instructions, and then gives you the visual, the finished product at the end. Every Sunday, slow cooker Sundays with Eli McLaughlin. You got you to gotta check this out, man. I, like I might start doing it along with him. Oh, sign me up. I know when the NLL did their cooking competition, I stole a bunch of recipes. I learned how to make ribs from Dan McRae, and I'm now using his <laughs> his method when I make ribs. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Last one I got here is just, uh, and and you mentioned this, uh, we, we talked to Bob, and, and Bob says, you know, like, uh, thanks for, before we talked to him, said, you know, thanks for doing what you guys do. It's nice to have something to listen to at night with no lacrosse going on. And it just kind of led me, like, every week I get, a DM or a message or a text about, about the program. And, and it always comes like from somebody out of the blue that I would never really would think about, but they're like, yeah, I listen every week. And, and I just like, there's so many people out there like that, that, that reach out over the course of whatever. I just want to say thanks to everybody that, that takes the time to send a message or, or whatever and, and say, yeah, like I listen. it's Brad, like we always talk about how, difficult it's been with no lacrosse to talk about but yet we we managed to to pound out an hour or whatever it is every week and i know a lot of people appreciate it and i just want to send back that appreciation to the people who are listening because like i don't like i probably still do this if nobody listened just to do it for cathartic reasons but i just want to say thank you to everybody that takes the time to to listen and and on top of that send out a message saying saying they love the show or whatever and th- those messages, those messages are a large part and maybe the only part of why, why we do this every week. You know, like I have weeks where I'm like, what are we going to talk about this week? Like just, it's been exhausting. COVID's running rampant. You just got nothing in the tank. And then someone sends you a note that says yeah. like, Hey, listen to last episode. Great job. You know, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And then I'm like, well, shit, I, now I, now I'm fired up to do the next <laughs> episode and I'm ready because of notes like that. Yeah. So yeah, thank Thank you guys for reaching out. And it's, you know, whether it's just from a, an average listener or a GM or a coach or a player or whatever the case is, uh, it, it all means something to us. So so thanks for listening to Lax Class and thanks for listening to Quick Sticks here in quarter number three. We got one more quarter to go here on EP128. We're going to tell you who the Stampede Stallion of the Week is next. Keep it right here, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Christian Del Bianco from the Calgary Roughnecks. You're listening to Lacrosse Class 5, growing the game one podcast at a time. Quarter four, no more breaks. Associated labels and packaging at associatedlp.com, focusing on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family owned over 40 years down there in Coquitlam. Sean Ashworth, Tosh Nishamir, and the gang doing great things with labels and packages. You need one. 
They are your people. AssociatedLP.com. We are in the fourth quarter, Brad. Stampede Stallion of the town. You want to head for the stables? Let's do it. We're off to the stables. I added in some hooves there. Did you notice that? Probably not. Uh, Stampede of the week. This week, Brad, uh, somebody you are quite familiar with. I'll let you lay this one out since it's your pick this week. Tell me who it is. From the east side of the LBC in Ladner, British Columbia. I haven't done a Ladner one yet. We've made it this far, but there hasn't been a lot of Ladner pros. So they'll throw me a bone here. But uh, going Andrew McBride. And for people not familiar with what the Stampede Stallion is, these are guys that we show recognition to shine a light on that aren't going to be in MVP, candidate, all-star, defensive player of the year, Hall of Fame conversations. We are These are underdogs, but these are the guys that keep the league ticking and keep teams ticking and wear their heart on their sleeves. And this week, it's Brider, who played you know, over 200 games in, in the National Lacrosse League. They're close to 200 games in the National Lacrosse League. And you know, I got a chance to grow up watching him from a young age. And he started playing junior A, I believe, before Delta even had a junior A team. So he had to go up to New Westminster to play. And that was like such a big deal for, you know, young kids in Ladner that Andrew McBride was going to play for the bellies. And it was new, like you knew that it was because he was going to take that next step. And that was the step that it was going to take to get him to be a pro. He was going to go play with the best junior lacrosse players in the world, give him that competitive advantage, play against the best, and then go on to the pro career that he had as a, as a career Calgary roughneck. You don't need, there's not a lot of guys that can wear their same team's Jersey for an entire season. Um, you know, never going to be a big points guy, but ended up being a captain of the team ended up being a champion on that team. And exemplified that team in the years where Calgary was known as like the most fierce competitive defensive unit in the national lacrosse league. He was the face of that. People hated the roughnecks defense for like the, in the mid, mid 2000s, 2010, 2015 era. Like, you know, Andrew McBride young, was, young, young was, Harnett, young uh, Carnegie's Andy McBride, like such a pain in the ass. Son of a play. bitch yeah. is, is the word that comes or the words yeah. that come. He was a son of a bitch to play against is what Andrew McBride was. And wouldn't be shy to, to peel his bucket off and, and let the hair fly as well. But 11 year career, for McBride, and you mentioned all in Calgary and just like epitomized everything that a roughneck was supposed to be. 05 high watermark with six big goals. Uh, 50 in 2007, he got 15 points. That was as high as far as points went, but it was about the responsibility in his back end, it was about the loose balls, it was about showing up and playing hard every night for Andrew McBride. You look at the games played here, Brad. 50, uh, 16, missed, 60, 60. Yeah, like healthy as an ox and just an absolute warrior, man. So, Andrew McBride, uh, well done. Nice selection, Brad Chowner. Welcome to the Stampede Tack and Western Wear Stable. And, of course, the Stampede Stallion of the Week brought to you by. Oh, that's me. That's Brought to you by. Well, our good friends of Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course, to close the court of one. Brought to you by. And Highway 10 in beautiful downtown Cloverdale, B.C., where 
Wranglers abound. Shorts, jeans, get your jeans, cut them off, turn them into shorts, whatever. <laughs> Just make sure you're getting them at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Plaid shirts for the summertime. Roll up those sleeves, drop a button, look sharp. Pearl snap buttons at that to give you that sort of Western flair. Jean jackets, all your flannels. You want to look good this summer. You might be cooped up at home, but if you do get a chance to go out and, and head to the campfire or something like that, or whether you're just heading to work, mm. go check out our friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. If you're not in Cloverdale, if you're not local, doesn't matter. Go online, stampede.ca. We're shopping online still. Shopping local. local. Yes, hats, boots, belts, you name it. And in all seriousness here, folks, you know, part of what makes Stampede Tack and Western Wear go is having the Cloverdale Rodeo each year. And this will be year number two where the rodeo in Cloverdale is not going to happen, which is a huge hit to the good folks at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. So from the bottom of my heart, like, and it, like I, I can't say this any plainer. If you have the ability to support these guys who have supported this podcast since day one, they're feeling it. They're still on board. We can't thank them enough. Thank us by helping them and, and go to stampede.ca and, and support this business, which has really supported this podcast since day numero uno. So thank you to, to Kevin Michael Winkler, his, his lovely wife, Naja, and the whole family out there. And, uh, Man, I can't wait for the Cloverdale Rodeo to make its triumphant return, Brad. I, like, I kind of got turned on to this over the last couple of years. I was never a big rodeo guy, but then Danny kind of turned me into a rodeo fan, and now I miss it. Oh, and it's world-renowned, the Cloverdale Rodeo. Like these, it's, it's, it's on the big circuit of, of one of the major events on the rodeo calendar. And, yeah, it's a blast. Like Whether you're just going for the Longhorn Saloon and, and drinking and dancing and having a good time, or you're going to actually watch the rodeo events or taking your kids to the fair, like it is yeah. it is a hell of a weekend. And it's one of the highlights of my kickoff to the summer because it's May long, which is always like the start of it, right? Yeah. Um, and so we'll miss it. But yeah, and Stampede definitely needs your support if that's not happening again this year. There you go. Uh, so let's end things on that note right there, Brad. i got to let you guys know if you want to get a hold of us, lots of ways to do it. Brad Challoner is at Brad Chal. I am at PXP for sports. Any social media platform you can think of, I'll be there for you. Email address is at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook page as well. And I want to say thanks to Bob Beave Cleveley for coming on the program. Thanks to our content. Everybody that made a content suggestion, thank you so much. And congratulations to our winners in, in Carberry Lacrosse and Andrew Suter. And we will be back next week. We're going to pick a city. We're going to pick a stallion. We're going to have some quick sticks and all the rest of it next week. So uh, that's it for this one. Thanks for listening. For Brad Schellner, I've been Jake Gillian for the fastest game on two feet. And for the creator, stay safe and stay healthy, everybody. <laughs>